Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This episode with Jenny Cavallero is because Jenny was part of our February 29th, 2020 live show at the Wonderland Ballroom. Um, in a surprise to no one, she has moved. Uh, <laughs> she, like half of our guests, she no longer lives where she used to reside, and that's perfectly fine. Um, Jenny's a very funny person. And she's been freelancing, and you could read her stuff in The Lily, and she's been featured in the Washington City paper as of this week. And I am glad she's in my orbit, and I think that you'll be glad she's in your orbit, too. Unfortunately, something that's in our orbit is our new Patreon account. We started it at the start of the global pandemic because the global pandemic has taken things away. And that's why if you have are gainfully employed, you might consider donating at youmetheveverybody.com. It's on the About page. It's in this podcast description. There are many tiers. Um, if you used to be the kind of person that would come to our live show and donate either by buying us a drink or putting money in the donation basket, please consider doing that. Here's the show. Okay. You're here. I'm here. We're awake. Let's. Yeah. Wh- have, where do you live right now? I just moved to Adams Morgan. Yeah. So you moved as month. well. Yeah. You moved as well? No. We both but moved. I have not moved. Um, you're probably the 20th. <laughs> 20th of like 30 people I'm talking to that was on the marathon show, <laughs> literally half of you have moved. That's wild. It's funny because I lived in the same place for five years and then it's just like, well, we're moving. Everyone's moving. Why did you move? Uh, well, I lived with uh, a couple um, and we all in a group house and we got along great, but just kind of decided to do our own things. So um, I wanted to get my own place. So I got are my you own willing place. to reveal your age? Yeah, I'm 36. Did you think that at 36 you would still be living in a group house, but also, <laughs> but also not hating it? Um, I think I thought I would have roommates. Yeah, I guess I. I don't know. I've never had a like a timeline. I guess maybe I. I, I never thought I'd be financially independent enough to be. <laughs> my own place i guess sure Um, i have a theory of why there's like a giant crop maybe it's just my circle maybe it's just your circle maybe it's because you live in washington dc but people i know maybe it's because maybe it's a comedy thing i think there's a societal acceptance of roommates in your 30s and 40s this is not a joke due to the hit television show friends (laughs) i mean it's fun to live with your friends It's, it's actually kind of sad when like your roommates leave and get married and stuff, you know? Yeah. I totally get that. Now I'm yeah. I'm married. I haven't lived with roommates for a very long time, but I, I totally see the benefits of it, especially during a global pandemic. Oh my God. It I mean, honestly, we had talked about doing it last year, like kind of going our separate ways. You know, there was nothing wrong with our living situation. I was just like, we just kinda wanna do different things. Um but we put it off and thank God, because, I mean, we all remember early days like climbing up the walls and I having people around was really necessary. So, yeah, I can't imagine. I know a lot of people who lived alone and it was really tough. So do you live alone right now? I do. I do live alone, but I, you know, I get out. I mean, things are still uh, intense uh, pandemic wise, but getting better. And I, you know, I work out of the house about half the time. So it's it's really nice, though. I don't know. I just like not worrying about, you know, whether I'm in someone's space or because I haven't lived alone for 
10 years probably mm-hmm. i lived with probably like 15 different people in that time um and it was by far the healthiest situation i was in the last five years like best roommates since you know the people i chose to live with in college um so it was it's a big transition you know to go from living with people who are kind of like family you know to living by yourself but i don't know i'm enjoying it it's fun to nest and just like I don't know, be your weird little self when you're alone. <laughs> Are you worried about taking any steps backwards because you're going to make ra- more rash decisions because you're not surrounded by others? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think about that. Like, I'm uh, I'm sober, and I the last time I lived by myself was before I got sober, but I wasn't, like, I wasn't drinking a lot by myself at that time. That was when I was in grad school, so it was, like, more of a social thing. And I drank more actually when I was living with people, but I was like trying to hide it and be weird um, and shameful. <laughs> and and so I that did like cross my mind like, oh, am I going to revert back to that? Like, oh, I have secrets, you know, like no one's watching. But um, I don't know. I feel like I'm in a more stable place. I mean, who's feeling stable right now in the pandemic? I'm not sure. But just like generally my life is more stable. So but I do have to be more aware of like not isolating myself because that I think is a habit of mine. Like I try to treat being lonely by isolating myself. And it, Brandon, I don't know if you know this, it doesn't work, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but I keep trying. I'm like, it's like worrying. It's like, maybe if I worry about this, it'll go, it'll just go away this time and it doesn't happen. But yeah, it's been okay. I mean, it's only been like a month and a half and I think like the hopefulness of the weather getting nicer has helped and the like setting up the apartment has helped. And now like I've had one vaccine that has helped. I'm like, oh, I could maybe have a person over here at some point. (laughs) You are doing a very good job of transitioning to plug your uh, sober comedy show that you (laughs) co-host. It's on hiatus actually at the moment. Well, is that um, due to the global pandemic or just because of the move? Why is it on hiatus? Yeah. So I was doing, I started it in November. So kind of, uh, I feel like a lot of people started on like things much earlier, but I just wasn't, I didn't have the like capacity to do things. So um, I started it in November because I felt like I wasn't um, excited about comedy. I wasn't really doing shows. I did one outdoor show. Um, but like I'm kind of high risk, so I wasn't really getting out there for safety reasons. And and I also was not feeling energized about being sober. Like who wants to be present in their mind during a global pandemic? I'm not sure. Um, so I started the this show called Seltzer as a way of kind of getting more engaged with both of those aspects of my life. Um, and it, it was, I mean, it's been really fun. There's a lot of really cool sober comedians all around the country. So it was great to, you know, reconnect with friends, not just from DC, but, um, you know, to meet other comics too and connect with them. And and it's just like a really positive, like good vibe show. But I don't know. I, I feel like um, the last couple months, I feel like people are just getting a little zoomed out. Um, mm-hmm. Like it was getting harder to sell tickets and people were still coming and being really great and supportive and, 
Um, but I just was feeling like I needed to take a little break. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take off March at least because I had just moved to and um, and then kind of reassess in April. But um, it's called Seltzer. Um, it's on Instagram at Seltzer Comedy Show. So once I start, I do plan to start up again because um, it has been a really fun thing to do. And just to like meet people too. I had Jackie Cation on. She was great. Um, it's been fun to book like really amazing, uh, women headliners during the pandemic. In your ideal scenario, where does this live in non-digital space? Is there a venue that would be appropriate for this show? You know, it's hard. Um, the reason why I ask is probably obvious. Uh, most places make money on, on the bar. Oh, no, cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know people have done sober comedy showcases before, um, and a, a comic that I got connected with named Whitney Wasson was doing one out of Chicago before the pandemic, I think at the hideout. Um, okay. I could be lying about that. I just always so you needed an incredibly cool at the venue. hideout. Yeah. <laughs> um, I could be lying about the venue, but I love the hideout. Um, it's probably the hideout. It's probably the hideout. I feel like everything cool that I hear about in Chicago is happening there. Um, well, the thing about Chicago is they also have places like the Comfort Station, which is a like mm-hmm. sort of run by the city. You could rent it out, and it's just a space, and it's perfect for non-alcoholic <laughs> events. Yeah. And there's way more bookstores that have comedy shows, but there's usually in all yeah. the bar or BYOB situation. That's true. Yeah, like a, a bookstore. Yeah, it's hard because, I mean, there are some great sober comics in D.C. I don't know that I could make it a regular showcase. Like, I was doing this every other week. And it would be harder to, you know, unless you had the backing of a club that could bring in a headliner and pay them, you know, to do something like that regularly. So I think doing it virtually was really ideal because you can book people who are in L.A., you can book people who are in, you know, wherever, Minnesota. Um, Do you think there's going to be a virtual real type of situation in the next few months where certain parts of the country are more open than others, but like New York and L.A. are still more shut down so you're going to have like in-person comics in dc but like zoom comics that are much bigger names participating in the same shows does this make sense yeah you mean like you might have people coming from new york to dc to do shows or no nope, opposite mean... like they're still doing zoom shows but they're doing zoom shows in your show but your show is in is live in front of a crowd oh like a zoom like a Zoom streaming show. Exactly. But it's like, a mixture of Zoom streaming meets like real people in the city of the show. I mean, it sounds like you should start that. It sounds like I have no desire. <laughs> An interesting idea. I mean, I think that could happen. Yeah. You could have a virtual headliner or something. I think it would be. Yeah. I don't want to organize the tech on that, but. <laughs> I, I just people... I like the idea of the the curmudgeon not curmudgeon but just like the incredibly cautious comic that's just chastising everyone that yeah. left their house to attend this yeah. show and they're yeah, getting paid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I've been very cautious in the pandemic and yeah, I I totally understand that. I feel like most comedians aren't though. Oh, so. I 100% <laughs> agree with you. And so that's why and I wanted def- to ask. You've been there in definitely you are in... a lot who have been. Oh, no, no, sure, sure, um, sure. I don't care yeah. about them. I want to talk about the problem child. So, 
the reason I'm asking you these specific questions is because for the listener home, we're recording this on 316 2021. You were in this current edition of the Washington City paper uh, as part of the outdoor comedy will it last type of think piece slash mm-hmm. recap of the year. And mm-hmm. how do you feel being lumped into that group? Well, I was mentioned in that article as someone who did online shows, mm-hmm. um, which shout out to Chelsea Ceruzzo. She's, um, I apologize if I said her last name wrong, but she's a great writer. Um, and I know all those comedians who are putting on those shows or most of them. Um, yeah, I was fine being mentioned. I think someone, you know, mentioned that I had been doing online shows and having some success. Um, and I, I only did one outdoor show. I did the um, Wangari Gardens show on Halloween, which is um, kind of live comedy. It's um, Hayden Arrington is and uh, Noah Goldstein, I believe, are the main organizers of that. And that show was great because it's it's basically like a field. It's right by Washington Hospital Center in D.C. It's this like community garden area. It's very spread out. Um, and they took a lot of steps, like, cause I was like, Hey, here's where I'm at. Like, I don't want anyone to touch me. <laughs> like, I need to know what's good, what the situation is. Cause I'd been asked to do a lot of these, these other shows previously and just said no, just cause I was seeing, you know, kind of on social media, what it looked like or how people were acting. And, you know, I'm not trying to shame anyone else, but I'm like this, I could not personally feel safe in this situation. Um, so that show was great. Um, I felt very, very safe and like um, and good about it. But I, you know, turned down other ones because I just didn't feel right about it. Now, I prefer people doing that to doing indoor shows, obviously. Um, and I understand the impulse to be creative and, and to be doing performance and bringing people together for me it was just like this just isn't the time for that for me and um i also want these people to book me this summer when i'm vaccinated so (laughs) you don't want to burn any bridges you think that 13 minutes into a a podcast they'd be like oh that's what she said the shit (laughs) so i i do think people uh you know uh you know, I didn't go to any of these shows. So I, I, and I do think a lot of these promoters did care about making it as safe as possible. Whether the audiences comply by that, I don't know. You know, well, here's um, the thing you and I are, you and I skew somewhat older when it comes yeah. to everyone else mentioned in this article. And if I'm 21, if I'm 23, I'm probably participating in these shows, but I'm 38 yeah. with a kid. So I'm not. Yeah, I'm 36. I'm immunocompromised, like have high blood pressure. Yeah, like, this is a bad idea. I'm I'm not I'm not going. I'm not putting myself and others at risk. Um but yeah, if I'm twenty-one, if I'm twenty-five, if I'm wanna go hang out with my friends and have a drink and do a show and hang out, I'm absolutely doing that. But that's yeah. not those aren't the facts of my life and like so I just couldn't do it you know and and everyone of course understands and there's plenty of people who will take the spot um yeah that's never been an issue with uh any yeah <laughs> well everyone said no issue. for safety reasons for safety for safety okay so and I, 
And this also isn't like my, you know, I'm not paying my bills by doing comedy. Of so there's like, there's no pressure for mm-hmm. me to, like, I know a couple people who do pay their bills with comedy who've been doing indoor shows. And I'm like, okay, like you, I can't, I can't really fall. Like you're not high risk. You're trying to like pay your rent. Like, what am I going to say to that? Yeah. You know? I know. I get but, that. But most people who are out there, you know, doing indoor comedy out in the suburbs or whatever, it's like, you're not making any money. Like, what are we really doing here? <laughs> I don't know. Is that a question about performing comedy in the suburbs or a comedy question about performing during a global pandemic? During In the pandemic. Like, okay. you're performing to like six people in a bar. Like, this is a questionable choice on a, on a good day, <laughs> you know? Um... But during a pandemic, maybe, I don't know, maybe stay home, maybe eat. You alluded to how you do pay your bills. How do you pay your bills? We talked about this last time you were on the show. I'm a librarian, yes. Which I've said multiple times, and I completely stand by, still seems like a dream job during a global pandemic. (laughs) You know, it's been weird because this is the first time I've been allowed to work from home in my life. It's never been an option. And... At the beginning of the pandemic, we were just closed. Like, we couldn't work. They couldn't figure out, you know, you know, none of us have work computers, you know. Um, I mean, I've, I know some colleagues don't have like consistent internet access. So they're like, how do we even navigate that? You know, it's never been an option. And now I work from home two days a week and I go in three days a week. And uh, I'm like, do I have to go back to working? <laughs> all the time in person because I don't want to. Um, I mean, I I will. I I miss a lot of aspects of my job. I actually had a dream last night about doing story time, which is so so weird. Like I was just doing a story time. Um, And it's, you know, there have been some stressful things about the job too with, you know, being working with the public some during a pandemic, especially when we didn't know when we were going to get vaccines or anything like that. But, you know, all in all, like, I think it's been good and it's been good to be able to get out of the house. Um, I think if I was working from home full time, it wouldn't be a great situation for me personally. So some libraries in D.C. are closed completely. Some have services where they bring the books out to you. What's the level of service yeah. that the library you work at is currently? So we're right now, um, we're still in the, we reverted back to like curbside pickup. So you can just mm-hmm. come pick up your books and return them. But in two weeks, we're going back to kind of limited in-person services or people can come use the computers and like use the bathroom and and they just sort of phase things back in as the city allows it and as the numbers allow it. So, um, and now library employees are eligible to get the vaccine um, or to register for it, which is great. So more of my coworkers will be vaccinated if they choose. Um, and so that's a good thing. I mean, it's it's tough, you know, because I my main concern is the safety of my colleagues, you know, um, and it's just so hard to know what things are going to look like. But I'm feeling more hopeful just because it seems like the vaccine supply is improving mm-hmm. um, and access to it for people um, who are out working in the world. Because, I mean, we've been working since June, you know. Mm-hmm. last june um so 
it's you know it's very emotional for a lot of people and some people you know they have family members that they live with who are high risk or you know they take public transportation to get to work and that can be you know add some risk to their lives too so it's you know I feel lucky like I got vaccinated I mean it's like a like a week ago <laughs> you know it's very recent. so you won't have your second dose by the time you completely reopen or you'll have it like that day uh I'll have it like a week after yeah okay yeah. Does that give you any solace or are you now in theory so close to the finish line you're like paranoid that you're going to get it between the doses? Oh my God. I was paranoid I was going to get it like the day before I got my first dose. I was like, I'm going to go to CVS and I'm going to get COVID. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm always paranoid, but uh, I'm feeling more optimistic, I guess. I'm trying – I'm not allowing myself to panic as much. <laughs> I'm like, you have your first dose, like you're building up some immunity. Mm -hmm. I'm mainly mm -hmm. like focused. I'm focused on the finish line. I'm like, like, not that this is going to be finished. And a lot of my things in my life won't change just because I'm vaccinated because most people aren't. Um, but I'm like really focused on I'm going to go see my family uh, yeah. in May because I haven't seen them in a year and a half. And my mom and my Stepdad are both vaccinated. They both had COVID too. Oh man! Thankfully, thankfully, very mild, very very mild. Like they were fine. They wouldn't have known they had it if they didn't have fevers. Um, and my sisters are both vaccinated as well. So, um, so I'm like focused on like like eyes on the prize. Like I'm gonna go hang out. I'm gonna eat um, like six kinds of pizza in four <laughs> days. <laughs> And then I'm going to just like roll right into summer, you know. Uh, wh where do you want to get pizza from? So I'm from Mundelein, Illinois, and there's a place called Bill's Pizza, which is if you're ever in Mundelein or in Grays Lake, Illinois, get yourself some Bill's Pizza. It's the classic Chicago thin crust party cut. Um, and I get it with Jardinera. That's my more recent love on pizza. Um, so the last time I was in Chicago, I bought um, all the Vienna beef condiments that they don't have here. Nice. So I have a jar of jardinera that's like essentially just oil at this point, but still I'm yeah. like holding out <laughs> until the next visit. I think Nathan I'm now looking left. At... Sorry, please. Yeah, yeah, I know Nathan. Yeah. Do you know Nathan left? He's well, he's from Illinois, and he. Uh, in 2020, my birthday's in January, so I had a birthday party, and it was a pizza party, and so, you know, it was before the pandemic, and he brought a jar of Jardinera to my party. It was, the, like, the nicest, and he was That's just, like, me. eating it out of his pocket, basically. <laughs> ah. So, Mundelein is incredibly close to where my wife grew up, so in theory, maybe one day, one actually, day. probably maybe this summer, we'll be in the Chicago suburbs together, and we could yeah. just drink jardinera yeah just put, pop a straw in there a big mm -hmm. a nice thick straw like a milkshake straw <laughs> and just go do you town. ever wish you still lived out there i wish i was closer to my family for sure um i don't I, whenever i visit though i don't want to live there i mean i would live in the city of chicago yeah for sure it's a great city for comedy i mean it's a great city for a lot of things. And I, you know, I have a lot of friends there, but, uh, you know, I've lived here almost 10 years now. So this feels like the place I've built a community. I've built, 
um, you know, all kinds of support networks and yeah. So it would be hard to move. I would have to have a, a good reason to, if someone Can wants we talk to talk about your sobriety, a lot of money. Sure. Um, when, when did that happen? <laughs> when did that, uh, November of 2014. So a little over six years ago. Yeah. Uh, were you worried about relapsing at all during the pandemic or after you hit like five years, you're like, I'm good. Oh, 100 times. <laughs> 100 times. Yeah. yeah. Um, I worry about relapsing all the time because that's a fact of sobriety and addiction. I know people who've relapsed in the pandemic. I know people who've relapsed before, you know, um, it hasn't been a part of my experience yet. And I'm thankful for that, but it doesn't mean it won't be. Um which is scary, you know, um, but it's, I mean, obviously very tempting during all of this, like, you know, being present in this terrifying hellscape <laughs> the last year has been difficult. Um, but for me, you know, I don't have like a glass of wine and just like relax. It's like, I just drink a bottle of it and then I start to freak out. So it's like, I just have to play the, you know, play the tape back and it's like, oh yeah, this is just going to throw a problem on a problem. But, but of course that's not in the moment what your brain's telling you. It's like, this is the thing. Cause that's what my brain is trained to, to think, you know, it's like, this was a useful thing to my mind at one point, like have a feeling, have a drink, you know? And so of course my mind's going to revert back to that. It's like, yeah, you're an alcoholic. Of course you're going to think about drinking. That's like part of it, but it's just that I don't have to do it Mm -hmm. anymore, you know, but do I want to? Yeah. Like regularly. May I ask where you, I know you're in Adams Morgan, but where in Adams Morgan, you don't need to give me your address, but if you give me your street (laughs) or if you're comfortable, (laughs) the the, the reason why I ask is for the people that don't know. You're always trying to get me murdered on the show. You're like, what, yeah, yeah, what's yeah. your intersection? What's your window lock it's, situation? Um, <laughs> Adams Morgan is probably like the second biggest drinking neighborhood, maybe the third in Washington, D.C. Yeah. Um, and this I'm is why quiet, I ask. I'm on a quiet street, so I'm kind of tucked. I'm, I'm technically in Lanier Heights. Okay, so um, I wonder if we're... I used to live at 1702 Summit and... Uh, okay, yeah, and, very close, yeah. And then before, close. and then after that, I lived on Clydesdale, both in Lanier Heights, and both of those places were like just far enough where you can completely avoid the nightmare that is. Um, yeah, it the, is the, quiet. the weekends, but it's. I wonder much how quieter. it is post COVID, not post COVID, but like once restrictions are like rolled back, if there's going to be spillover to like a party atmosphere seven days a week versus just Friday and Saturday nights. Yeah, it's hard to say. Like, I'm in an apartment building and I, you know, I live surrounded by a lot of apartment buildings, but there's also houses like across the street. And mm-hmm. and so it's it's been very chill. But even just like last weekend when the weather was nice, I could hear a couple people kind of coming back who sounded drunk in the hallway. And this woman yeah. made me laugh so much. She's just like yelling at her, I presume, boyfriend or whoever she's with. And she's like, I would never make you spend $12. Never. (laughs) Like died laughing. I was like, go off Susie Orman. Like we know, we know. Um, So I was like, oh, is this like the shape of things to come? But you know, it's honestly like I'm a few blocks set back from all of that, you know? So 
I think it'll be okay. I lived in Petworth before on like a very quiet, chill street and like I'm fine being around alcohol. Like sometimes it's a good reminder of like what I'm not missing, <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah, I'm around yeah. it a lot in comedy and stuff. And I'm like, oh, right. Like if I was drinking, like I couldn't do any of this because it would just be that would be all I was focused on really. Um, so, yeah, I think it'll I think it'll be OK, but we'll see. I mean. Once like patio season starts, who knows? Yeah, that's what I'm wondering about. Um, patio season reminds me of dating. That's a transition. You recently had a piece in the Lily, which is part of the post, <laughs> um, and you were writing about Tinder's verification process. And um, how has how's the feedback been? Uh it's been good. I yeah, that was that piece kind of came. I mean not out of nowhere I wrote it but um I tweeted about this issue that I had on tinder um because I mean I'm, I'm always thinking about accessibility issues I'm a disabled person I you know encounter accessibility issues in my my day job and um and I encountered this this feature on tinder for verif- verification to kind of like prove your who, who you say you are and I, it's an automated process um, where they show you a set of pictures and you have to, you know, position your hands or pose however to take pictures in real time to compare. Um, and because of my disability, I have arthritis. I couldn't position my hands as requested and there was no other option to verify. So I submitted a support request. They got back to me like, two months later and we're like nope sorry we can't do anything about that so I tweeted about being frustrated about this and because disabled people face a lot of barriers in dating as it is um you know on a scale much larger than this one tinder feature even um and can face a lot of judgments and people are like oh disabled people are dating that's weird um so I tweeted about it and it got some attention and um uh, a, f- a Twitter friend who's also disabled and a, a writer um, named Brooke. Uh, Brooke, I apologize. It's a, a KN name. I think it's Neasley. Um, uh, was like, hey, if you should you should write this. You should pitch it somewhere. Um, if you want any suggestions, let me know. And so I messaged her and was like, yeah, you know, I hadn't thought about writing something, but. And so she was very helpful, giving me some guidance on how to do that. Like I'd never pitched a story anywhere. And, and I was like, well, I like the Lily. I respect the, what they're putting out. So I'm going to pitch there first. And they like within an hour or two, they accepted the pitch, which was <laughs> kind of shocking to me. I'm like, who am I? Um, but yeah, I wrote it and it was published like a week later. It was published, um, I don't know, like a month. It was the beginning of February, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, it was right around when I was moving. Um, and yeah, the feedback was really uh, positive. Other people in the disability community, you know, commenting and messaging me about other issues that they've faced um, with dating apps or um, just dating in general as a disabled person. Um, and yeah, it felt really good to write it, and it was a like a personal essay. So I and I've written personal zines about my disability for many years. Um, so I was sort of used to writing in that way, but then, you know, having a journalistic, informative slant on it as well was, um, kind of flexing a, an old muscle. Um, 
I started out as a journalism major and then I, I, I switched to English because I was, um, oh gosh, my Siri is thinking I'm talking to her. Shh, Siri. Um, <laughs> no. Now I said her name, so she's like, what? Um, sorry. I I started as a uh, journalism major and switched to English because I didn't like talking to people. <laughs> um, or the idea of like talking to strangers or having to approach people was too like anxiety producing for me. And I've just, I've changed so much since then, you know, so it was good to, it felt good to write something and to, ha- you know, feel like proud of it and, and have it in the Lily, which is a publication I really respect. And they paid me, Brandon. What? Good. What? <laughs> did uh, Tinder reach out? They did. After my, actually before the article came out, my tweet had gotten some traction. And uh, so they messaged, someone from their team messaged me and was like, you know, telling me to send an email. And then they went on kind of damage control. <laughs> and, um, and you know, they were very polite. I think the person who responded to me just didn't really know what they were talking about and didn't really address my issue at all. Um, I mean, I think if someone mentions accessibility, you, that should put up a little flag, but they just kind of dismissed it. So someone wrote back and said, actually, we're introducing a new feature for alternatives to deal with this issue. And here's, you know, why it's set up like it is. And if you want help getting verified, like email us back. And I was just like, no, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, like I'm glad to hear it may not, that may not be an issue for others going forward. Like that's all I'm really interested in, like is you solving this problem and making it more accessible and equal. Um, cause it's, you know, a minor thing in the scale of things, but there should not be additional barriers for disabled people. Like, to access the same features or they just shouldn't, you know? Um, so I was like, okay, thanks. And no, thank you. Um, and yeah, got me off Tinder, which is probably better. (laughs) Do you have any positive, uh, I got not stories, but any positive anecdotes from dating during a global pandemic? I mean, I didn't date very much. I mainly was just, I think like a lot of people sort of swiping to be like, maybe I'll chit chat with somebody. Cause I know, I mean, I know some people were out there, you know, meeting up and hooking up probably, but I mean, like I said, I'm pretty cautious and I put that in my profile. Um, I went on, I met up with someone in a park, um, and like chatted with them, you know, like from six feet away. And that was like nice and normal and, you know, nothing came of it, but that's pretty much all I did really. And then it was just the normal thing of like messaging with people for two days and then they, you know, everyone just kind of mutually ghosts each other. (laughs) So, um, I think this is, I think this summer is going to be a very horny summer in DC. So I'm looking forward to that. I think it's people are going to be vaccinated. They're going to be excited. They're going to be out there. We're going to see what happens, Brandon. Will you believe someone <laughs> when they say they're vaccinated, or will you ask for proof? Oh, I will ask for proof, one hundred percent. I cool, will cool, like, cool. yeah. I am like, show me your vax card. It's like, no. I'm assuming you're referring to dating in this aspect, and not just and not comedy as well. Uh, yeah, that I'm referring to dating because that's okay, cool. a more intimate exchange. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, I am uh, open to doing outdoor comedy. I don't know about indoor at this point. I feel like not enough people are vaccinated for me to feel personally comfortable doing that. But I mean, a lot could change in a few months. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, for dating, that's like a, a one-on-one mask off experience if it goes well. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that I would I would want to know that they were vaccinated. I'm so this will air in like a week and I started interviewing everyone at the end of February and just in the last three weeks, I think the mood has gone from like 30% positive to like 90% positive of like what we'll do when. And yeah, it's feel, it feels good. And I don't think we're jinxing or anything. You've already been half vaccinated. You know what I mean? Like it's happening. Yeah, I mean, that's some like a, that feels like a miracle and that my like family is mostly yeah. all vaccinated too is wild i mean i think even in you know december or january we didn't think it would we thought it would i thought it'd be summer at least you know oh yeah um, I, I thought i would get vaccinated in like september october yeah so just the idea that i mean it's like and it's like this perfect storm of happiness too right like daylight savings <laughs> like it's lighter out the weather's warmer like birds are singing in the sky <laughs> um it's you know people are getting vaccinated they're getting opportunities it's like they know it's coming soon so there's like hope in the air i don't know it feels it does feel really good it's still you know i think some people are probably letting their guard down a little prematurely and oh sure but those people have probably already had their guard down. So um, well, the difference is you work in a very public job where you don't get yeah. to determine who's going to be interacting with you in two weeks. So yeah, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm still, you know, conducting myself the same way, but it's, it's just the, the mental state has improved. I think a lot, like the idea that I could do live comedy in, you know, a month or two is wild, you know? If someone wants to book me, 